baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Yeah, it's WTIC. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being with us. Let's talk to Doug and Vernon. Hi, Doug. How you doing? What's on your mind, Doug? You know, I, I'm not a, a fan of abortion, but I understand the necessity sometimes. And I was never turned off by it. Not until they wanted to have abortions after uh, 20-something weeks, 30 weeks, up until the day of uh, birth and after. That's when everything changed for me. So, And I think it changed for a lot of people when that happened. Yeah, I don't know that this is, um, I don't know which way this is going to work out in terms of whether abortion rights are expanded in totality or contracted. That depends on what the people want, because now we're going to find a, we're going to find a, a democratic path, you know, one that's driven by what the people want, not what the nine people in the Supreme Court wanted to do. Oh, so, so yeah, whatever. I agree. So I, I'm not so heavily invested in the outcome of that that uh, wrestling match that's going to go on over the next couple of decades, I'm more concerned that there be one that's democratically driven instead of uh, oppression driven. And big government making decisions on what everybody has to do is not the right way for things to go. Oh, definitely not the right way for it to go. Uh, but when that guy called earlier and said how it's going to divide the country, okay, it was fifty-one forty-nine. Yesterday, now it's fifty-one forty-nine today. How's the, where's the division in his mind? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm not. Sh- I think what, what he was saying is that the level of intensity that is being brought to the political arguments, like by the politicians and what they have to say, we're, we're we are getting to some kind of breaking point. It feels to a lot of people. The Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Yes, WTIC. All right, let's find out what Mark has to say here. Hey, Mark. Hi, Todd. Um, it occurs to me in this abortion debate discussions that it's like um, when I was a young man. I was I'm a carpenter and I was working in a bar doing some renovations while they were open and people would come in sane and sober and lucid. And then as the more they drank, the more ridiculous their arguments would get. And so pretty soon as 
a fly on the wall who wasn't drinking, I could hear that two people would be arguing about the same thing or with, with different facts. And so their argument just went around and around. Like they, they talk past hey. each other. I love that. Yeah, I yeah. love that analogy to where we're at politically now, that people are just kind of, they're at the, the intoxicated state, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I know some very educated, sound people who will make the argument that it's a woman's right to have an abortion and nobody should take that away. Those things if you're a man or you don't have a female parts, you know, you just shut mm-hmm. up. But um, as soon as you say, but well, what do you think about the fact that you're killing a baby? Then they drop back to the point of what? Oh, I guess we lost Mark's signal. That's too bad. We're getting right to the nitty-gritty of it. All right, joining us now. Thank you, Mark, for trying. Dr. Murray Sabrin is joining us. He is a libertarian and here to argue on behalf of uh, maybe liberty being the solution. Hello, Murray. How are you, Todd? Great to be with you. Thank you for taking the time to do it. So how did you become a liberty-based character? Well, the, the 1960s, I was in college in the 1960s. The Vietnam War began in the mid-60s. The Great Society began in the 19, uh, mid-60s. And uh, I started questioning the, the basic premise of the Democratic Party. Of, is war the answer? Is uh, welfare the answer? And by the late 60s, I concluded that this is not the answer. This is going to lead to a disaster. More inflation, more regulation, more control, more undeclared wars. And we've had undeclared wars since the Korean War. And uh, by reading a whole bunch of stuff um, in the newspapers, magazines, and books, I concluded that the libertarian solution is really the, found, the founding principle of the country, the Bill of Rights, the uh, Declaration of Independence. Thank you for saying that, Mari. I've, I've been saying this to people lately that I don't even think of myself as a conservative anymore because I think of myself as being aligned with the founders believing in the American system of government, and they were libertarians. Well, the, the basic premise is decentralization. Entrepreneurship should be the guiding principle of the economy. Uh, limited government is what uh, the people sh- should expect from their government, which is enshrined in the Bill of Rights. All our rights are natural rights, according to the Declaration of Independence. And if we follow that blueprint, especially George Washington's admonishment to not get involved in foreign entanglements, we would have a, a totally libertarian society, and we wouldn't have these endless wars, as Trump pointed out in his campaign and his uh, governing. We wouldn't have this massive welfare state. We wouldn't have this incredible complex tax system. And we wouldn't have uh, money printing by the Federal Reserve, which basically yes. enables the federal the government debt. and money they don't have. We wouldn't have the debt. That's right. So I, I've been thinking about it a lot today, and we've been talking about it because, of course, the, the Roe v. Wade thing fundamentally for me is a liberty-based argument that do we follow a system of government that lets the people make decisions, or do we follow one where few people in a hidden room somewhere make life-altering decisions? And I think we can see that the Roe thing hasn't worked out politically, the decision, without regard for how you feel about abortion. If you look at it as a political mechanism was used to make a decision was that the right mechanism and we can look to the resolution what kind of resolution did 50 years of Roe bring it bring us to and I think because it was made undemocratically without regards for principles of liberty that it failed that we're still at each other's throats over the same thing we were 50 years ago 
Well, that's why decentralization is the libertarian solution to a lot of these contentious issues. Let the states determine whether there should be gay marriage. Let the states determine what the uh, legal drinking age should be. Let states determine uh, what the uh, gun law should be in a state. In other words, if we do that, then we have what the founders envisioned, the states being laboratories of democracy, rather than having this one-size-fits-all from, from Washington, D.C., and this way people can choose what states to live in. And, of course, people are voting with their feet right now. I'm now in Florida. I left New Jersey a year ago because I found it untenable. Besides, the weather is lousy, and the same mm-hmm. thing in your neck of the woods. People are moving from California in droves to Mexico, to Nevada, to Texas, to Florida, because of the high taxes and the unlivable conditions in San Francisco mm-hmm. and Los Angeles. So people have a way of expressing, quote, their, their values and their preferences by picking up and leaving, because right now, as we know, people can re- work remotely. They don't have to be in office at a specific location. So this is the beauty of free enterprise, of the free market system, of a free society, is that people get to choose rather than the political elites of this country. Do you feel, since you've been doing this for uh, 60 years now, the liberty thing, do you feel that we're moving in the right direction with regard to people understanding it, or is it becoming more remote, this fundamental connection to the founding principles? I think what's important right now is that parents are voting with their feet and taking their kids out of the public schools, which have become propaganda mills for progressive ideas and establishing homeschooling across this country. We know from the data that public school enrollment is down tremendously. I think this will accelerate in the years ahead. I think the doctor-patient relationship has taken a backseat to all these COVID restrictions and lockdowns. And um, my mission in life, now that I'm retired, is to reestablish the doctor-patient relationship as the foremost method of providing health care to the people of, of America, which is they deserve, because in a free society, people and their uh, doctors determine health care, not the Fauci's of the world. How did it happen that, did you experience a time where you saw that people were coming to not understand that a liberty-based system was what America was based on. I wonder why that became differentiated, you know, that it became strange to us to be a libertarian instead of us understanding that that's what America is based on. Well, this is why one of my favorite courses I taught when I taught finance at Ramapo College in New Jersey is the financial history of the United States. And what the conclusion I reached, and the students reached that conclusion by giving them the facts, is that first we had the income tax and the Federal Reserve established in 1913. That took away enormous decision-making from individuals and businesses and states and brought it to Washington, D.C. Then, of course, the Great Depression created this great economic trauma, and people were looking to, to Washington for solutions, which, of course, we're living with, Social Security and then Medicare and Medicaid in the 1960s. And so people have become used to government solutions. And the evidence is overwhelming, Todd, that government solutions create distortions, create shortages, create higher prices, create all the bad things in society, and the the libertarian solution is right in front of our face. It's called free markets, limited government, personal responsibility. When Ronald Reagan said government isn't whatever, how do you start off? I don't remember, but he said government is the problem, was the end of it, and that always resonated for me as something powerful because you don't hear people in government talk like that. But I really believe that government is at the root of all of our problems. There's no question about it. The two things that government has that makes it so difficult and, and problematic 
which is a very polite way of saying dangerous and evil, is they have the ability to tax people, which is nothing more than legalized theft. They have the ability to print money, which is nothing more than debasing the currency. And they have the ability to have undeclared wars. That's a toxic brew for a society where you have less prosperity and endless wars, which means death and destruction for not only American soldiers, but people overseas. We're talking to Dr. Mari Sabrin. Are you, uh, do you have a book out or anything you want to point people towards? Well, I had to, uh, uh, several books published the last few years. Why the, why the Federal Reserve Sucks, which is, I think, a very good, <laughs> good title. Good, good title. One is uh, How to Create a Universal Medical Care System Using the Free Market System. Uh-huh. My recent book is called Navigating the Boom-Bust Cycle. I have a new book coming out this fall on entrepreneurs and how to create the best medical plans for their employees at a fraction of the price they're paying today. And I'm currently writing my autobiography, which is also a political journey from uh, the 1960s to my historic 1997 New Jersey gubernatorial campaign when I was, became the first third-party candidate to uh, re- uh, raise enough money to get matching funds and debate the Republicans and Democrats. And do, do you have a website you want to point people towards or just send them to the Absolutely. store? Absolutely. MurraySabrin.com, and they can see all the past uh, interviews and podcasts I've done, and there are links to the, uh, to the books, uh, Navigating the Boom-Bust Cycle, uh, th- these are books that are uh, fundamental, good advice for entrepreneurs to make sure that they don't get caught short when the, when the next downturn occurs. And I'm on the record saying the next downturn will definitely be in 2023, if not sooner. But I, don't, I think it's 2023 is when the next major downturn can occur, unless the Fed decides to throw caution to the wind and pump up the economy more with more make, funny money. Make things worse when it finally hits. Ma- Absolutely, absolutely. So the Fed is caught between the rock and the hard place because they get, they've given us a whirlwind of easy money, cheap money. We know rents and housing prices are skyrocketing across the country. We know about shrink inflation. Companies are reducing 16-ounce uh, packages to 15 ounces, keeping the same price. That's a 7% increase. In some cases, it's 10 to 15% increases. So the American people, the average American family is really under the gun in terms of their purchasing power and what we need to do is have really a, 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 a restoration of free enterprise principles and get the federal government to follow its the constitution article one section eight of the authorized uh, authorities of authorized uh, programs of the federal government which they haven't been doing for more than 100 years and that's the fundamental question, problem todd is the government does not follow its own Supreme yes. Law of the Land. Which yeah, is the that's a, it's trickled down to the local level now, too. Mari Sabrin, thank you. Great to talk with you. Thank you, Todd. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. And come back and see us when the new book comes out. Dr. Mari Sabrin, S-A-B-R-I-N, I think is how it's spelled. Sabrin. Interesting. He's talking about liberty and how libertarian. I, I've not heard anyone else say that, except it dawned on me a couple months ago that Hey, I'm not really conservative. I'm I'm a founding father guy. I'm a constitutionalist. I'm a liberty guy. And it occurred to me that libertarianism shouldn't be this strange thing. That's us. That's what the American system is. Get the government out of our heads and our hearts and our pockets and everything. 8605229842 Stephen Springfield. Hey Steve. Hi Todd. How you doing? Hey, a great guest. Um, one of the things about government-controlled economies, um, they, they, they're, they're always bound to fail because they're not all-knowing, they're not all-seeing, they don't know all of the economic situations of all the people in the United States. It's impossible. They're, they're playing God. 
they're playing God with the economy, and they don't know anything. Uh, yeah, with well, a lot more than the economy, and they're they're equally wrong oh, about oh, yeah, everything ab- else ab- too. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the point is, no human knows. Right. We're we're all flawed. We are all sinners. So what you want to do is aggregate people's instincts and ideas and thoughts in in terms of votes or representative government, and you aggregate what everybody wants to do. And the best way to do that is in market driven systems. We we go to the store every day. We buy things. We're voting with our money for what kind of products we want to see in the stores and what kind of restaurants we want to see and and what kind of services we need and if we had to depend on the government to dole that out they would be corrupting all of it government is just corruption that's what it is yeah that's our whole problem we've been uh we've been uh what do you call it depending on government for way too long you know a lot of people don't realize it but what was it in the 40s and the 50s there was a huge debate uh, on social security whether government should be involved in in your uh personal health insurance well, that's because every everybody knew it was unconstitutional when when Rose, including Roosevelt, when he jammed that th- stuff through uh, back right. in and and then with Johnson, we had uh, it's just so awful what's happened to the country. And 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 the, the other thing about like Roe v. Wade, I think what when I, I was reading uh, Thomas uh, Ju- uh, Justice Thomas's uh, opinions, mm-hmm. um, I really think that having privacy at the root of a constitutional right is kind of bizarre because. I, I mean, I, I mean, if you're talking about search and seizure and for surveillance, that's one thing. But the, I mean, basing everything on this right of privacy, um, my my problem with gay marriage wasn't the the um the whole idea that I mean, I, if gay couples want to get married, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but to me, um, marriage is a societal religious term that goes back thousands and thousands of years. And I, I, I kind of take offense to the, the liberals changing definitions, you know, especially long-standing thousand-year definitions, to suit their purpose. Yeah, it's a good thought, Steve. Thank you for thinking about these things and, and calling to talk about them. We need more people thinking and talking about what are the underpinnings, what are the principles, the foundations that things should sit upon. And if we... If we have those in our minds, we know who to vote for, we know what we believe in, it becomes much, much easier to navigate these minefields of public policy and, and the corruption that we see today and the, the stupid stuff that people fall for voting for these ridiculous, ridiculous candidates who put themselves forward. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What is optimism? I think I, you know, I, I just looked it up because Anthony says he's depressed. He keeps saying he's depressed. And then I say, you can't be depressed. Well, I'm not depressed. And then he says, this is why I'm so depressed. So I get the feeling he actually, whatever that mean word, that word means to him, he keeps saying it with regard to unresolved things popping up from the past, like this abortion thing. And I can see where that would lead one to think that we've got a systemic problem, that we can't escape 
a, a something that was dealt with 50 years ago. But the reason we didn't resolve it is because they didn't respect our system and what the system had built in, and that is that people, that citizens, should make the big decisions, not nine guys in a room. And because they violated that basic premise, that basic democratic principle, they did something that was hostile to the American system of government and hostile to humanity. And if you believe in God, hostile to God, because our system is based on the fundamental belief that the principles that are laid out in the Constitution are built on God-given rights. Those, the things that are discussed there are essential to the human experience. We know that we all want, desperately, to be left alone to make our own decisions in life and to design the world around us the way we see fit. We want the people around us who we like. We want we want to live in the environment we want to live in. We want to hear the ideas and music and eat the food and whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter how small it is. We all want to do it our way. And essentially, that's what a democratic system is. That's what our Republican representative government is all about. The idea is we get to control. And what happened with Roe v. Wade was they kidnapped it. They stole the decision away from us. And it, it went unresolved. It was resolved by force of gun, but not in our hearts. And that's why. Now back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC. News Talk 1080. Good afternoon to you. Friday, a lovely weekend awaits us with some warm weather. Joining us now, Jim Watkins. Jim is a good guy to uh, talk to on days like this because Jim is so visceral. He's so instinctive. You know how the doctor used to hit you on the knee with that, that hammer of his, the rubber hammer? You know, Watkins is like that. You hit him on with these topics, and boom, it bounces up his leg just the way it's supposed to. Hey, Jim. Hey, man, I like that music that you were just playing. Do you know who that? Well, is? I wasn't playing it. That was Anthony. What music was that, Antonio? That is the Foo Fighters, and that song is called Walk. No way, yeah. really? Yes. We were just talking about that today. Arguing Walking? Who was the better band, uh, the Foo Fighters or the Rolling Stones? Uh, and uh, and I And I... To be honest, don't know much about the Foo Fighters, so but that song just turned me on to them. So now <laughs> I have to go listen to the Foo Fighters. Anyway. Wait, that was your introduction? Yeah, it was my introduction. Just a little <laughs> diversion. I know so, precious little of their music too. I'm in the same boat. And and I keep hearing people mention how they love the Foo Fighters. And I, I just always thought it was such a dumb name, I never explored them. Same here. Uh, exactly, because it reminded me of that T V show Kung Fu. Back in the uh, 70s. But that was great. Kung Fu was great. <laughs> Kung Fu. With anyway, David Carradine? So David Carradine, yep. Uh, that was our introduction. So now, of course, we look back and we realize it was an attempt to turn us into little Marxists. Yes. Yes, uh, it was uh, It was the beginning of the downfall of the country, I think. It was. I'll all right, so. Something that's interesting. Yep. I'm looking at a chart here 
that measures the growth of abortions in the United States. Mm -hmm. And ironically, abortions went up around the time that disco became very popular. So I'm thinking there is a correlation. Because you think it had to do with the dance moves or causing spontaneous abortions? The, the late night clubbing, the drinks, the illicit drugs, it was all of it, buddy. Okay, but all put together. But as fell out of favor, abortion started to go down. So uh, I, have a, I have a theory that that, that You think it was all the Bee Gees' fault? That's amazing. <laughs> Those flares <laughs> and uh, the John Travolta, yep, those tight <laughs> pants. Anyway, so what we're looking at here is I thought we had a great week in America for people of the conservative ilk because yesterday, of course, SCOTUS said that you don't have to prove you have a reason to carry a gun, which was great. And then also this new ruling, which hands a very... I was explaining this to someone today, that not every country, not every state is the same. We're all different. People in Mississippi are different from New York. New Hampshire is different from Utah. Everybody's different. There are cultural idiosyncrasies sure. that, that evolve in each area, each region. For and was this person you were talking to surprised by this point? Well, just when I tried to explain, they were very anti what happened today. They were arguing, no, this is bad. This is going to infringe on women's rights for reproductive health. And I'm like, no, nothing's shutting down. All that's happening is the states and the people in those states get to make this very important decision. And I, and that's what, that's why we have the states. I'm so glad you gave that, that effort to that conversation because in, in aggregate, once you, once this has a chance to implement over a couple of years or so, I would guess that, you know, there'll be some people who are inconvenienced by the need to travel. But in general, I would think we'll have a more robust abortion industry for the people who are supporting that, that will go on in the states that support that. And in states where they find it offensive, then people will be able to make laws against it and have less of it. And that, over time, will flesh itself out in whatever way our society democratically deems to be appropriate. And it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That's the way it's supposed to work. We are little lab experiments in our little states. Well, and as opposed to when you compare that to having nine people you know nothing about sit in a hidden room and make a decision for reasons you know nothing about mm -hmm. with a made-up cover story, and then people fight about it for 50 years. Obviously, it's time for another way to, to uh, approach that decision. I also think that it's a, it's a travesty that, once again, Nancy Pelosi and Biden are going to use this very divisive issue to divide America and make it all about Trump. You heard Biden. He couldn't help, couldn't help himself. He had to get on there and say this is all Trump's fault. And so he's already demonizing half the country or, you know, they are so scared of of uh, voters. They really are. Yeah, yeah. And I think at the end of the day, you're right. People, uh, people, obviously, will continue to be allowed to make this decision in the privacy of their own home. Nancy Pelosi was not giving truth today. She was simply using this as a, as an opportunity. Oh, they to love to misrepresent it, Jim. Say that again. They love to misrepresent it. Oh, absolutely. And it's uh, you know it. Uh, I, I pray that we don't have the rage, the purge that everybody's talking about, because, frankly, I think that will backfire. If it does happen, people, uh, Americans, they don't like to see uh, instability, and they will look at it, and, and they will point at those people and say, this is why we're not voting for you in November. So, I, But, Jim, how do, we, 
How do Democrats, we were talking about this earlier, how do Democrats control the pace at which this little war that they're trying to get some fire going under? Because they have the media and also Big Pharma has something to do with it because, as someone pointed out to me today, you know, Big Pharma does, this is an industry for them. Uh, and so, and it'll continue to be. No, no, I, I meant though. Once they they get everybody riled up, they're going to unleash. They are unleashing or trying to unleash forces that could lead to some violence in the streets this summer. And right. that's dangerous. Yeah, but that's dangerous for Democrats. They already are in trouble on issues of law and order, and uh, on being too extreme, and on having bankrupted the the country and the state and 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 having spent too much money too recklessly that only goes for political purposes not to the benefit of the people they have all these things that they're trying to climb out from under how do they send people out in the streets with marching orders to make trouble and not have them go out of control and damage the democrats in the fall rather than improve their their opportunities well, you know, they have no, they, but they want the disharmony. They want the, the, the stability because every time they create a problem, guess who gets to come back in and fix it? So it'll force Biden to come up with some executive order that he'll sign, and it'll end up right back in the Supreme Court in another few years. So this is just the beginning of this story. And I, I, feel, un, I feel sad for people who are watching the news. They're going to get only one side just like with the January 6th commission hearings, mm-hmm. they're only going to get one side of the story, and they're going to be told repeatedly over and over, this is bad, this is bad for women, and, and uh, you know, repudiation of Republicans, they're evil, and they're the ones that have caused this problem. And you'll have Lester Holt saying it, you'll have David Muir saying it, and you'll have Don Lemon saying it, all in lockstep. So I feel sorry for people that are being manipulated into believing an untruth. All that happened today was the people got rights. They got their rights back. This is not a one-size-fits-all approach to uh, this particular kind of health care. And frankly, when they call it reproductive, re- reproductive freedom, that's, uh, I think that's, what's that thing? It's a, it's a contradiction of terms. Because there is no freedom for the person who's being most affected by an abortion. And I'll end it there. So, Well, that was good. You're... Uh on a roll. You're very forceful on this, yeah. It's um I I I don't know about your conclusion about what they want. I'm always confused about what they want. I I know that d- disorder does work for big government because we are compelled to run back to big government as the only entity big enough to solve the disaster it's created. So there there is that, but I also see real danger on the horizon. I mean, all the predictions are that Democrats are going to get wiped out in November. And do you dispute that? I think that they will get wiped out. And I think if people see a lot of violence and rage tonight, that'll just further the nails in the coffin. What I think is happening is that there's a distraction. People are frustrated anyway. Sort of like during the pandemic, people were actually more frustrated about the pandemic and being in lockdown, but they were also going broke in the process. And so the government was able to use that rage uh, quite effectively against in that latter part of the election. This is all Trump's fault, you know, plus, of course, they were trying to impeach him. So now we're all frustrated about a different thing, which is gas is going up to 7 $8 an hour, and it's eating into our Gallon. lifestyle. 
And now we're redirecting that energy not towards that and solving it and being angry at our administration, but instead focusing on this one key issue that is very divisive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, what's that? It's a redirect to me. We're talking to Jim Watkins. Jim, how do people find you online? The Jim Watkins Show dot online articles and great podcasts talking about this very thing. I should have you on as a guest. Anytime. So to me. Anytime. Should, you don't even think twice. You just call me if you need me. I absolutely will. All right. I can't before wait to hear you the restaurant stuff tonight, because uh, tonight's a good night to. You know, think outside of the box and get something delicious, you know? <laughs> That's always what, I, what I'm looking for. So talk to us before you go about the, um, the, the Trump hearing, so-called hearing. Oh, the Trump Capitol hearing, Hill yeah. this week. Uh, look, I, I'm a fair guy. Uh, I, I would have given this some serious thought and, and probably watched it. But imagine, you know, the TV show Law and & Order where if you – and I sat on a grand jury. I, I think there's probably people here – who spent time on juries, but you're looking at a situation where you're only getting one side of the story, and boy, they're pulling out all the stops. They've got the the guy that has the cancer child. They've got everything. I mean, if you're not crying by the end of this and clenching your fist, but the thing is, there's no balance. Our whole system is based on the right to defend yourself, and Trump isn't being allowed the right to defend himself. He's not even being allowed to be heard. It's only those who want to prosecute him. So how can it possibly be a fair and judicial process? It can't be. Well, it's not intended to be a judicial process, and it it certainly isn't fair. It's not trying for fair. But they are kind of striking a pose of having a hearing, even though it's not a hearing. It's a TV production. So I think on all those counts, you're correct that it's being misrepresented. At the same time, there must be some truth to some of the stuff they're unveiling. I haven't watched that much of it. What's your feeling about that? Well, they're not covering why there was lax security. We don't know how many FBI embeds. That's another sort of serious situation. There could have been hundreds of embeds, people in there, trying to egg the people on. People were letting them into the building. I mean, to me, it's like if I was an attorney for the defense, oh, I'd be able to shut this case down in, in no time flat. Again, they're not being given that opportunity. So we're only seeing the one side of the story, which is Nancy Pelosi's side, what she wants you to see. And, and again, one, one of those sides, Jim, that really stands out for me is that the there was a choice made by Democrats to not provide security for the Capitol that was adequate to the size of the crowd. And Absolutely. Anytime you do that, you risk having this kind of outcome. And I, so, so I, I trust them so little. Where power is, there is manipulation and cheating and all kinds of vulgarity going on, and uh, the people are being ripped off. So I can't take one side of the story and draw conclusions from it, or at least not very big ones, because I have to look and ask about the questions that they're not providing answers to that are really front and center. And, and that that's top of mind for me, is who made the decision to make sure that there were not enough cops there or other security to keep that capital safe and secure so that the violence could happen and if you if you think about the possible answers to that question you realize that democrats have a lot of culpability here as well well if this was the game show jeopardy the answer would be who is nancy pelosi for how much how much money 
for <laughs> for thirty million dollars. Double there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking home with a jackpot, baby. <laughs> and ask yourself a question. Boy, those camera angles sure were pretty damn good for that night, weren't they? Uh, but Nancy Pelosi, all roads point to, point to Nancy on this one. TheJimWatkinsShow.online, correct? Yes, sir. Congre- correct. Thank you. I can't believe I remembered it. Jim Watkins, nice to talk with you. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Todd. Have a good weekend. You too. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.